Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joining me Dr. Amanda Gumbert, Extension Specialist for Water Quality. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Today's topic is all about water, and I'm excited to have you here and have you share with our listeners a little bit more about the value of clean water, what we can do as homeowners to promote water quality, that I think water is something that probably all of us take for granted that we just don't really think about where or how we get our clean water. We just turn on the tap and expect it to be there. So I'm pleased today to spend some time talking more and thinking more about water. And I also know that when we have our health and our nutrition specialists into joining us on the podcast, they're always talking about the importance of drinking plenty of water. So today we get kind of the backstory about our water as well. Exactly. And we do know that one of the main facets of uh, human health is clean water. And we every time we pick up a magazine or an extension article or anything about our health, we know that it mentions clean wa- or drinking water and, and drinking eight glasses of water. Is that what we're supposed to drink now? I'm not even sure how many I'm supposed to drink. So I have a, a bottle of water um, that I refill daily, multiple times daily. And um, But we don't really think about how much our water costs, uh, what the value of having access to clean water is. And so that's something that I try to encourage folks that I interact with to keep in mind. So let's start and, and really just kind of focus on that value of clean water and help our listeners understand more about the, the process of having clean water at our homes. Sure. So if you live in the United States, as most of our listeners do, I think, they understand that we have a luxury. And that luxury is that when we turn on the tap in the kitchen or in the bathroom, the water coming out is clean and safe for us to drink. If you've traveled outside of the United States, you know that that guarantee is not always as certain. In Kentucky especially, we have fairly low water rates in terms of what we pay monthly for our water bill for our drinking water. One exercise I've done with students before is we calculate out the cost of water per gallon that comes out of the tap, and that usually the calculation ends up being, you know, a penny per gallon or even less than a penny per gallon in some cases. And so it's it's relatively inexpensive, and so oftentimes we take that for granted. If you compare the cost of a gallon of water that comes out of your tap compared to a gallon of milk or a gallon of soda, or a gallon of gasoline that you put in your car. Right. It's such a discrepancy, and and yet water is that essential part of life. Just listening to you talk, I was just thinking about my bills associated with my house that our electric bill or our gas bill, that they're so much higher than what our water bill 
is, is that I really do spend a lot of time thinking about, well, how can I conserve electricity at home? Or how can I adjust the thermostat in the winter so maybe I'm not utilizing as much heat to keep the gas bill down? But where water is so inexpensive, I may not immediately think, although I should tell our listeners that we are good friends. And so having been good friends that I know that, you know, I just need to get my toothbrush wet and turn the tap off and brush my teeth and then rinse my mouth to not just let the tap run, but that we often don't think about conserving water in the same ways we might think about conserving some of our other utilities just because it is such a low cost, comparatively speaking. It is. And and I'm speaking in general terms. You know, there are some utilities that I know in Kentucky that their water bills are higher than maybe ours are here in Central Kentucky. And I will, just to back up a bit, you know, you're, if you look at your water bill and you kind of break it out, a lot of times there might be other utilities that are included right. there, maybe like a sewer Sewage. bill or in, you know, in Lexington per, in specific in our muni- municipality, there's a stormwater fee that's attached to our water bill. And so it kind of, those kind of go together. But if you really break down the water usage, it's not that much. However, if we think about it, from an environmental impact perspective, those costs will go up over time if we don't do things around our home to take care of the source of that drinking water. And so again, in Kentucky, we are really rich with surface water resources. Some states and some areas of the country depend on groundwater resources, but there are things that we should keep in mind that we can do every day to also protect the source of our drinking water before it gets to the water treatment plant. That was definitely one of the the key topics that I wanted to to discuss today is that tips for homeowners. I know that you have made um, recommendations and help us implement things at our house to help conserve and also to help direct water and in um, so that in terms of um, runoff or drainage to make certain that that it was going where it needed to go and the best flow for it. Can you share? Share some about what homeowners can do. Sure. And one of the things that we think about um, when we think of water around the home, so now we're going from inside the home at the tap, we're going to go outside the home. And we think about water in terms of storm water, and that is any precipitation um, that falls to the, to the ground and will hit an impervious surface. An impervious surface means like the driveway, the sidewalk, the street. Something that doesn't drain. Absolutely. Something that it won't soak into the ground. The roof of your house, for instance. And so when, when water hits those surfaces, it runs off and is usually headed toward a stream. And we call that stormwater. And handling stormwater is beginning to be more and more challenging because as our towns expand, as we become more of an urban society and we have more development, we have more of that impervious surface. So ideally, we want rain to hit the ground and soak into the soil. Right. Some things that homeowners can do to slow some of that water down, because I will say, Once stormwater gets onto a street, a road, and goes into a storm drain, those curb inlets that we see as we drive along, that water is not treated. It goes directly to a stream or a lake or a river. In some cases, if you're on a coastal area, it goes straight into the ocean. It does not go to a treatment plant, whereas water that we drink and consume that comes into our home, that goes through a treatment process as well as the gray water, the black water, as we flush toilets, as water that goes down our drains, that water does get treated. 
so there's some difference in in whether or not you know the water is treated before it gets back into nature. Right. And just since you mentioned stormwater, and I and I don't want to take us too far off course here, but as as we've gotten into warmer weather, people are mowing lawns. I think that that sometimes I, I noticed this the other day. I was just driving down the street, and one of the storm drains was completely clogged with yard clippings. So, in terms of being a mindful homeowner and helping manage stormwater, what could what could a homeowner do in that in that circumstance as well? So, we always encourage folks to never use the storm drain as a dumping place. So sometimes you might drive by and see people dumping a bucket of dirty water down the drain, that kind of thing. So in terms of grass clippings, you know, direct the the grass clippings to go back onto your lawn. You can use those as a natural fertilizer. Um, if you have a bagger on your mower, you bag those clippings, use those as co- for compost, or maybe your town has a yard waste pickup service. So we just encourage folks to never put anything down the storm drain other than stormwater. Just when I saw it, I thought, oh, not only is it clogging the stormwater system, but it's also then preventing proper drainage from the street level as well, so therefore flooding the street. But that was a total side note. Let's get back (laughs) to um, things that homeowners can do outside their home to help manage their water. Sure. So, you know, I think all of us just immediately go back to thinking about our own personal home. So I'm going to go and think about my personal home, which I happen to um, live in a home that is on a corner lot, which has a storm drain, right? near it, right on the edge of our, you know, the street and the the corner, and actually on both sides. So we're kind of in a low place. I have watched those storm drains get clogged up and they do cause flooding. So one of the things that a homeowner can do to, to kind of prevent that quantity of water that's contributing to potential flooding events is you can add a rain barrel to your downspout. And so, you know, for I don't know, centuries. We've used rain barrels. We probably, if we talk to our grandparents, our great-grandparents, they told stories about using, you know, rainwater, catching rainwater. It is something that we have, have done as we settled, you know, across the United States just to catch rainwater so that we could have that for other usage. And so that's essentially what a rain barrel is. You attach, it's a usually about a, you know, 30 to 50 gallon barrel that is attached to the bottom of your downspout. Most folks have seen these. Some people get really creative and they paint them and decorate them. I have two that are brown. They blend in to the landscaping and they actually have a planter on top. So I have plants that grow on the top of the rain barrel and they just catch rainwater as it comes down the downspout. Right. And that is one of the strategies that you helped us implement at our house. And um, in that particular scenario, it was to help direct water to make certain that it wasn't coming back towards the house just due to the way that, that our drainage was set up. But then we were able to collect the water in the rain barrel. And now I can use that water during the dry periods of the summer and to water my flower gardens as well. Absolutely. And you, if you have a small garden, um, you can hook a water hose to it. Usually they have a spout you know, at the bottom that's so that you can hook a hose. I have one that has a drip hose attached to it. So it, it meanders through my shrubbery. You know, one thing to to be aware of with rain barrels, and some folks start to get a little nervous about having standing water around their house, is the chance of having mosquito larvae. Right. And so the, what I do to prevent that is use something that's called a mosquito dunk. And that is like the market name for it. And 
it is essentially a little, I don't know, a little round donut looking thing that you can buy at a home improvement store. And it has a bacteria in it that is uh, toxic to mosquito larvae only. It doesn't harm wildlife and it doesn't harm pets. And it's not going to be harmful to your plants. And it prevents larvae from developing. The other thing you can do is just use the water within five to seven days. Right. And then there are some other folks who have recommended like putting um, a couple drops of like cooking oil on the top of your barrel, like at right the entrance of the barrel, so that it kind of forms a, a bit of an oil sheen. A barrier. Yeah, a barrier on top so that the larva can't break the surface and breathe. So that kind of suffocates them. But I like the dunks. They're a great way to prevent larvae. So I'll be honest, we have not had mosquito issues, but maybe it's something I should check out anyway. Dr. Gumbert, so many things that you can share with us on on water. And I think a topic that many of our listeners would be interested in learning more about. Can you tell us how someone could access additional information and resources? Absolutely. Um, Of course, the Cooperative Extension Service at the University of Kentucky has a variety of extension publications on topics like rain barrels, storm water, um, rain gardens. We haven't talked about those, but those are another addition to the landscape that can catch some additional stormwater runoff. So looking at publications, we have a couple of websites um, that I think you can share in the show notes. We will link them all in the show notes. Yeah, and they have some how-to videos there. Also, wanna, if I can, I'll plug our own water. Plug away. Our own water podcast. Dr. Carmen Agaritas and I co-host the KYH2O. It's a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. So we encourage you to check that out, and, and we explore what issues that are specific to water. And we will also link the podcast in the show notes as well. Dr. Gumbert, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing more about how we as consumers, we as homeowners can think more about our water and make certain that we are doing our part to keep a clean and healthy water supply. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.